Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Hi, I'm Rebecca Lowe, host of NBC's coverage of the Premier League. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Plus, be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. So Bournemouth go into the game, two points above the bottom three, and in 16th place, mm. Robbie L. We yeah. know the job that Eddie Howe has done at Bournemouth, yeah. nothing short of magnificent. Mm. However, ruthlessness in football exists, we yeah, know that. Sure. They are struggling. Mm. How much credit do you think Eddie Howe has in the bank? Is it never-ending? I don't think it's never ending. He's, he's got a lot of credit, Rebecca, when he's brought a team up from the lower leagues and kept them in, in the Premier League. That's job done. But I wouldn't say he's fireproof. If things were to continue in, in, in the form and they were in bottom three in the second half of the season, something could change. When I think of Bournemouth, I think of a streaky team. They're either very good or very bad. And at the moment, they're very bad. Six defeats in their last eight. Only two goals scored in, in their last five games. Lots of decent players, Rebecca, playing below their level. And I also think of... of, of Tottenham Hotspur, Mauricio Pochettino. Not long ago, he had them in the Champions League final. Yet they were 14th in the league and Spurs decided that it was time to let him go. And he would have had credit in the bank as well. So as you say in football, I'm not sure that Eddie Howe is, is fireproof to a point where whatever happens, he keeps his job. Another example is Harvey Gracia at Watford, who took Watford to their mm. best ever season and was fired four games into this season. Mm. If Eddie Howe and Bournemouth are in the bottom three, let's say early April, so with about a month or so of the season to gone, is still left to go. Do you think the ownership at Bournemouth will stick with him? No. Uh, sorry, yes, they would stick with him. I thought you were going to say going to fire him. <laughs> um, no, I think they will stick with him. Um, you've got to appreciate and respect what he's done in the previous seasons, Rebecca. And I know they're having a bad run of form, and I get mm. that. There's a couple of performances have been better recently. But they have played Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Spurs and Man United in the last two months. The last finishes in the Premier League, uh, 16th when they first came back up, 9th, 12th, 14th. So even if they're in that situation in April... The ownership would surely think this guy can turn it around. And I, and I, I think he's got a ton of credit. I, I think it'd be crazy to fire this guy. Try and find a better manager for Bournemouth Football Club than Eddie Howe. I know he's been there a long time, mm. and I know that, that, that sometimes seasons fall away. I'd just be stunned if they got rid of this guy. Do, do you not think, though, Robert, and we talked about those cycles, didn't we, and we thought that the pot had probably come to the end at, at Spurs. Is there a cycle? Is there the sort of complacency and comfort. Do you know in a football club where you know what the manager's going to say, what training's going to be every day? Do you think we, do you know, we could be getting to that do you, stage? Do you know what I think, Rob? I think it's a valid point. I think with the top clubs where the expectation and demands to win titles are, are there every single day, I mm. think it's, it's a little bit lower at a club like Bournemouth. So I think in terms of the cycles, he will add, and he's added younger players to the squad, which mm. I think makes sense. Some of them haven't worked out, by the yeah. way. Um, but I think in general, the cycles side of it, I think with the smaller clubs, is less important and, and the pressure is less uh, so on him to 
I mean, what, what is their target? I mean, mid-table, it's difficult to, to think any further ahead of that in, in the Premier League table with Bournemouth Football Club. But listen, he's having a bad run right now, but he's a, he's a, I think he's a top manager and they'd be crazy to get rid of him. And as Robbie says, they're so streaky, so they're on a bad yeah. run, but they've just maybe, as he said there, slightly yeah. begun to turn the corner. We shall see. Well, that, Robbie Musto, was Brighton under Graham Potter... At their best, was it not? It really was. And um, I think what we've said this season about Brighton is they're very different to Chris Hewton's Brighton. And I tell you, apart from the style and the manager and the philosophy, players are different as well. And in, in Trossard and Mopé, two signings are coming to this football club in the summer. They are now much better going forward. Those two players assisted for the goals today. They had quality in the final third. Brightness, excitement. You know, just a, just a spirit about them. And you look at Bournemouth's forwards, that's normally their strength. If Bournemouth are struggling going forward, mm. which they are, mm. they've got a problem because they're not built on defence. Callum Wilson, Ryan Fraser, Josh King, it's only Davy Brooks they're missing in terms of injuries. They've, those three particularly have got to step up or they're going to be in a, a serious relegation fight. I mean, the body language, Bournemouth players trudged yeah. <laughs> off the field mm. there, Robbie. How does he arrest this slide now? It's the biggest test he's had in the Premier League with back of it. Both teams came into the game and they were saying everything looks even. At the moment, Brighton look like they're going like that and Bournemouth the other, the other way. I mean, it's seven defeats in nine games now for Bournemouth. Two goals in five games. As Robbie said, they're not scoring goals and at the back they don't look like defending. And the body language and the sort of malaise and tiredness that they played, this is now becoming a, a serious big job for Eddie Howe. For those that didn't tune in earlier on this morning, just a mm. reminder, he's done a fantastic job, Absolutely. but you don't think Eddie Howe is fireproof? He's not fireproof. Listen, nothing rash at the moment. He can coach his way out of it. But if if we're five, six weeks further on and they're still in the bottom three, things can change. History has said that his teams find a little uh, run of form, a little run of victories, Rebecca, to take him away from trouble. Yes, Bournemouth, uh, Brighton's day today, but there's 18 games left and Bournemouth okay. are three points behind Brighton, so there's a long way to go. Robbie L, if you're a Tottenham mm. fan right now, yeah. it's quite difficult to work out whether yeah. things are going really well. Mm. What, how are they going? If they're Tottenham manager right now... You're not sure how things are working out. I think it's 17 goals conceded all competitions, one clean sheet, which isn't the, 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 the style and the form of Jose Mourinho. Things will change at this football club or players will change at this football club. In January? Club. Some in January, some in the summer. Vertonghen and Foyt came off a half-time today. He will start to make some decisions on players in terms of, OK, I've had a good look at you, you're not for me. Things will change. He will get this right. He won't want to go to Norwich. Bottom team in the league concede two goals and only take a point. That's not how Jose Mourinho operates. What do you think, Robin? Totally agree. I mean, 17 goals now conceded in 10 in all competitions, just one clean sheet. Um, it's just not the way he works, and his teams don't work anywhere near as well when you haven't got that strong foundation again today coming from behind they've got good attacking players they managed to do it again but it's just so weird to watch a game and watch a Jose Mourinho team concede so many goals your thoughts about Norwich moving forward now well I'll tell you what great credit today frustrating with the VAR with the offside but I didn't, real fight today you know I didn't know whether they had that sort of fight in them to keep going they're, they're a little bit detached at the bottom of the Premier League table yet they're still there at home going for a good side in Spurs so we'll see they've got a lot of work to do to stay up up, but the spirit is obviously still there. You agree? Enough spirit? Is that going to be enough for Norwich? I think we've seen enough. I think a little bit, I think Danny said before, a little bit naive at times. If they can get over that naivety, they can get goals and they look like certainly at home if they can get that crowd behind them, they've got a chance. 
Manuel Pellegrini, the, the West Ham United manager, has been fired in the last 45 minutes. The club say it's with great disappointment they've had to make this decision. In a statement, they continue that it's become clear that a change is required to get the club back on track in line with our ambitions this season. They say they felt it was necessary to act now in order to give the new man as much time as possible to achieve that goal. He's been at the club for 18 months, just two wins in the last 14 games in all competitions, and they have spent around $230 million under Pellegrini. A good result for United, but the story right now is that West Ham United, Robbie Earl, mm-hmm. are looking for another manager. Your reaction to the firing? Then I'm not as surprised, Rebecca. I remember starting the day you asked us about Eddie Howe and is he fireproof, and we're talking about he had credit in the bank. I don't think Pellegrini had that credit. I know it was a 10th place finish. He spent $230 million. And I've never quite felt he was the right fit for West Ham Football Club. I think it needs somebody with more energy, somebody who's going to change the cultures, change the style of football, somebody who's going to get hold of this football club and take it and lead it to better things. But, but then you say that, but, but he's a Premier League champion. He was given $230 million. The style of play that he likes to play, Rob, mm. is what West Ham United wanted. It mm. just shows, Rebecca, how hard it is to find the right guy, particularly for West Ham United Football Club. I thought we'd have got Wednesday. Bournemouth at home on Wednesday again. That, for me, would, come on, last chance saloon for him. Can you get a victory? Because it could bump him a few spots and could they recover? Lanzini's back in the side. Felipe Anderson's back in the team. The failure to get those attacking star players mm. to play for him this season has been the reason why they're down at the bottom of the league. They are. They're just one point above that bottom mm. three. So, Robbie Master, when you look at it now, they want to give a manager some time. Do you think they should go for a manager now on a long-term contract? Wait, maybe get somebody in interim until they've made a decision to get somebody on, like, a four-year deal mm. or mm. get somebody till the end of the season make sure they stay up? Yeah. I think, I think we're on that one. I think we're on the emergency one again. West Ham have been there before. David Moyes. It might be the guy they go to again. And then in the summer, we say it quite often. Yeah. There's going to be. It's just a better time to pick up a manager, the right manager to take the club forward. But it's a hard selection to try and get the right guy. Also, are we sure that this ownership group have got the understanding? the network to go and find that guy, Rebecca. This, this guy might be in Germany, in Spain, in Portugal, or in England, but what West Ham seem to do is go to the, the managerial roundabout and pick another one off and comes in for a little bit of time and then he goes another one. This has to be thought out long term. This is a huge, huge appointment for West Ham Football Club. Well, they've made no, uh, made no news yet about who is coming in, even in an interim mm. basis. Perhaps they have their man waiting in the wings. We shall see. The league table doesn't look good, of course, at the moment. I know it's only halfway through the season, but would you accept that West Ham could be in a, in a fight to avoid getting relegated? Well, we have a position on the table that is one point in front of relegation. So in the way we don't win our home games will be a more difficult season. Now we have to play against Bournemouth. I hope that finally we can uh, recover our, our winner here at home. And it must be difficult for you personally when people are openly speculating about your own future. Uh, does that hurt? No, no, no. I have, I have too much experience in this, uh, in this profession. And you know that football are, are results. And when you don't obtain the results, it started everyone talking that you must be sacked or you are, that you are going to be sacked. Or, but I think that's experience in that sense. For me, I'm more worried about the job is to try to find a way to play well with this team. And are you still confident you can turn it around here? Yes, of course. Of course. We always could be confident because I saw that the players wanted, but the pressure that they felt uh, today and the other games, especially here at home, don't allow them to play in the performance. We know they are able to do it. 
Well, unfortunately for Pellegrini, he didn't have the chance to carry on with the job because around an hour after that interview, this statement was released by West Ham confirming his departure with immediate effect. The joint chairman, David Sullivan, said, quote, It is with great disappointment that we've had to make this decision. Manuel is a gentleman. It's been a real pleasure to work with someone of his calibre. He goes on. However, it has become clear that a change is required to get the club back on track in line with our ambitions this season. We felt it was necessary to act now in order to give the new manager as much time as possible to try and achieve that goal. Well, no news as yet on who the new manager may be, except the rumours that are saying they will be appointing David Moyes. We'll touch on that shortly. I'd like first, Robbie Musto, your reaction to the choice to fire him at this stage mm. of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to argue against it, given the form, given the home form. Um, they would have had a game, well, they've got a game on Wednesday at home against Bournemouth. I would like to have seen him have one more chance to turn it around. We've seen before that sometimes some games can turn a season. You get build momentum from the back of that. Uh, maybe it wouldn't have happened, but I would like to have seen that. But I just wanted to, to think about the owners, Rebecca, and what they've done and how hard it is to find the right guy. David Moyes came in to rescue the club from relegation a couple of seasons ago, and then they want to go in a different direction to bring in a, a, a bigger name, if you like. Mamar Pellegrini is hired. He's a Premier League champion. He's given $230 million to build a team to play the West Ham way, which we know that's the way that he likes to play. And yet we're still in a situation when the style was, was right. Some of the attacking players were the West Ham type, and yet he still couldn't find a way to be successful. So it's just very difficult being successful, successful as a manager at West Ham United. Well, isn't it funny, I'll take that on, Rebecca, that, that West Ham is a unique football club. It's a, it's a big club in London that comparable could, could be Spurs. It could be potentially a top six team with the right money and run well. But West Ham is ingrained with the West Ham history. We're playing a certain style, playing a certain way, which the fans demanded that football club. And I never really got the sense that Pellegrini is great a football man as he is, and whatever he's won in clubs he's been, he quite connected with, with the West Ham fans. I don't ever feel he quite connected with the West Ham players. And, and so there, there was a bit of a disconnect. There was, there was something that didn't quite make him the right choice. He almost felt like yesterday's man, a little bit behind the times. And, and I just want West Ham United, at this situation, at this time, to start thinking about who is the right man, where is the, the right man, and how are we going to get him? Because that worries me with, with West Ham at the moment, that they'll make a wrong choice again or a short-term choice again, and that doesn't help the football club. Well, Robbie, the rumours are and the reports are that the short-term choice will be David Moyes. Again, Moyes would like a longer contract, according to reports <laughs> in this morning's papers, but West Ham don't want to give him a longer contract. <laughs> if he is appointed, we'll let you know, of course. We'll also let you know the length of that contract. The likelihood is it will be until the end of the season, just like it was two years ago, Robbie. Therefore, a, sh a short fix. Right decision or going backwards? Uh, safer decision. Right decision. Been there before. Rescued the club from Slavon Bilic, who tried to play open and expansive. Went a little bit wrong. He comes in, shores things up, gives it structure, saves them. It's not pretty, but right now, when you consider the, the cost of relegation for this club, given the money that we've just talked about, over $200 million in recent seasons, then I think it's a, it's a, it's a sensible play. Rob, is he the right fit, though? When, I, when you've got Funnels and, and Lanzini and, and Anderson and Allaire... They're not the dogs of war that, 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 that David Moyes so has known. That's, why, that's why it's exactly the right fit. That's why it's exactly the right fit. OK, let me, let, me go another, let me go another way. Go on, then. Leicester City beat West Ham United yesterday. 
this time last year, Leicester City were in a situation where they didn't go short-term and find somebody to just hold the court when they got rid of Claude Puel. They, found, they went and got Brendan Rodgers, paid money for him, $12 million from Celtic, enticed him out of that different. football. Very different, Rob. Why, why is it because different? Because Leicester City weren't in the relegation situation. No, End but, of but, season, but, but, the, the Puel wasn't the guy. You're not taking my point. Brendan Rodgers, if he went in at West Ham United, would get, would get them out of trouble doing it the Lovely. right way and, gi- and give you a chance to go on. There is that type of manager well, out there, Rob. Show me another one, then. Because I'll tell you, you what, it's one. so difficult. It's so, listen, you, I, I, I take, also I, get I, your I point. Take, it, I take Rafa, manager. I'll take Rafa Benitez yeah, to yeah. get me out. But it's I, different, I, then. It's different to others attacking players. You aren't going to get yeah, the expansive football with Rafa. Of course it's stiff. You know, Pellegrini is a good coach at coaching that style. It hasn't yeah. worked. So you've got to go in a different direction, so particularly the to argument? save himself from relegation. What's the ar- uh, OK, but we are in December and they're a point yeah. above the relegation. They're, they're not bottom, they're not well, drift, find- and it's not April. Yeah. So what is, the, what is the argument against, sorry Bournemouth fans, paying Bournemouth $20 million mm. and getting Eddie Howe, who will play the West Ham way and who's never taken a team down? I think still a risk. I think it's still a risk to bring in they, him they- in a situation with West Ham United, mm. one point above the relegation zone, and you're, and you're going to go in a direction that, that somebody else can play the way out of trouble. That's what, if I'm an owner, if I'm invested in West Ham United and I'm thinking about relegation, that's the, 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 the a disastrous side of it. Let, Give let me somebody me. that's going to save us. We rethink in mm. the summer. Rethink let me go the other way. Mm-hmm. The WhatsApp group at West Ham United has just been heard that David Moyes has got the job. Oh, dear. Because Because of what he's going to do, the restrictions on how I'm going to play, Leicester City have got where they've got because the players enjoy what the manager's doing and it's making them better. West Ham might stay up, but the players won't enjoy the work that David Moyes is going to give them to to finish 16th in the table. I'm replying on that WhatsApp group saying... Brilliant. I'm fed up of losing at home. I want, to, I want to start getting players to work harder, to be more accountable, to have a solid shape, to get us out of trouble. That's what I'm saying. Hashtag emoji, not <laughs> <laughs> uh, Quick question, Robbie. If they do rethink in the summer, can you find a name? Who, who, who do you think is the man for the future then? After Moyes has shown him up. Listen, I like Eddie Howe. I like him a lot. If he gets out of trouble with Bournemouth, um, then, then maybe that's the time. Not now for me with him. I just don't think you can take any risk. You go for somebody. I mean, I like Rafa Benitez. I like mm. him. Even from now. I'm not sure. I think he's already said he's going to commit himself to his, his team in China. Um, but it's difficult. And, and, and I just feel for the owners a little bit because they've made a lot of different plays and calls and none of them have worked out. And they continue to not be particularly popular at the club, yeah. despite, as you say, yeah. investing mm. in the club, the life of a Premier League owner and manager. So, gentlemen, it is time to reflect. We have asked mm. you, it's not mm. been easy, this. No, not at all. But we have asked you both to mm. come up with your team of the decade. Robbie Earle, mm. let's take a look, show everybody at home who you chose your starting 1-11 to 11 team of the decade. I think it's important to say the criteria as well, Rebecca, in terms okay. of how, how we picked. All but one of my players have won the title. Virtually, you've got to have won a title. You've got to be good enough to have walked into any of the top teams and hold a place down. And I didn't just think about the last few years. You know, the decade started in 2010. OK, I like how you guys are getting in your reasons yeah. before we <laughs> see it so yeah, that everyone at home any knows before they shout, OK? Yeah. Your reasons, how hard? No, I, I'm, the, the winning part, of course, is always important, but I, I want talent. I, I, want to, I want to put in my team the most talented players, the most artistic players. You're going to see that from both of our lineups, but especially from mine, I thought that was important for me 
to try and All sort right. of... Yeah. Let's go. OK, <laughs> come on. A real Let's... talented team. OK, let's go. Let's mm. start with Robbie Earls. Go on. So, it was a 4-3-3, <laughs> Rebecca. David De Gea had to be in there over the decade. They say he used to save 10 to 15 points a season. Ivanovic, no-one got past him in his prime. Vincent Company is, is the heart and soul of a team. John Terry, captain, leader, legend. Aspilicueta was a real constant force in, in the good Chelsea years. Into midfield, David Silva, a shoe-in, one of the most creative we've had. Joy Arturo, absolute powerhouse. And N'Golo Canty does what he does better than anybody's done it in the league. Eddie Nazard is a star in any side with his ability. Harry Kane and Sergio Aguero, over 300 goals between them. Kane's the only one in my team, Rebecca, that hasn't won a title. Aguero's a shoe-in with his goal ratio. A couple of absentees we'll get to shortly. Let's have a look at Robbie Musto's. Yeah, of course, there's going to be some uh, some similarities here. Uh, left back Rebecca, I found difficult. I've gone for Patrice Evra because of his ability to attack and defend. Um, I like the spirit that he played in Manchester United. Ashley Cole certainly was in my consideration. I'm not going to play Aspili Quarta as a left back like Robbie Earl did. So a little bit, I want a bit of balance on my <laughs> left side. Excuse me. <laughs> Midfield changes. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne has got to be in. It's just got to be in. Back to the artistry, the talent, and what he's shown us. Now maybe he hasn't been around the league in the decade for four, five, six, seven years or whatever it is, but I still got to have him in because of his ability and his talent and the goals and, and stuff that he can create in there. OK, up front, you've yeah. gone Rooney, Azad, and Aguero. Yeah, so my difference is Wayne Rooney. Again, uh, Kane, no problem, scored a ton of goals, he's a brilliant finisher. But an all-round player, Wayne Rooney, again, I've got to have him in because of, of creating goals, of scoring goals. He's got fire in his belly. Um, I've it, got to have him in the side. Would he not be 05 to 015? Wouldn't that have been his decade? I just felt that he was towards well, the you, end. That, I mean, 2013 was the last time they won the title under Sir Alex, Rebecca. Yeah, I mean, it's, but I, I, I'm... It doesn't have to be longevity. It played in my decade. The star players that I felt should be in a ring. OK, well, no Lampard, no Gerrard for you. No Rooney? No, because again, Rebecca, they, they were sort of mid... Uh, 2000. So you've been very specific Specific on your to those time, 10 years. It's those 10 okay. years. That's the decade we're talking about. OK, I think they're very interesting. I think people at home are probably shouting, but that's OK. That's OK. That's everyone. This, is the, this is the game of opinion. Get on chat. Twitter, two, two Robbies, let us know what At you the think. two Robbies, Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> Pl uh, player of the decade, mm. Robbie Musto, who have you gone for? This is an easy one. Sergio Aguero. To be consistent, to score, have six seasons of 20 or more goals in this incredibly difficult league and scoring some key moments, of course, this goal to win uh, City their first title. I mean, he has to be the player of the decade. All-round player, finisher, skillful, quick, powerful. Does the unexpected and scores plenty of stunning strikes from outside the box as well. He's got a little bit of everything, Sergio Aguero. For me, that's my, my strongest pick of, of, the, of the decade. Amazingly, never been in the Premier League Player of mm. the Year team. Uh, company for yours. Big Vinny, Rebecca. Born in Belgium, absolutely made in Manchester. He plays like a homegrown player. Came into this football club, changed the culture, changed the way about it. Won four titles as captain. I'll say that again. Four titles as captain of this football club. Just the spirit, the heart and soul. When he used to do interviews for us on TV, mm. I want to put a Man City shirt and be in his team. That's how, how important this guy was to that football club. And just look how they've missed him this season, by the way. That tells you the, the, the quality of him. Indeed, he's gone to try and begin his management mm. career. Could you see, were he to be successful, Abs a return to City as manager Absolutely one day? a, a shoo-in to go back to that football club. OK, um, there have been some great moments. We've been mm. lucky enough to see so mm. many of them. Moment, the moment of the decade, mm. Robbie. I, I, 
a theme is developing in these decade moments. Go on. Yeah, and it's Sergio Aguero is involved in this one, and it has already gone on the back of my net, Rebecca. The late goal, 2011-12, the first title for Manchester City, everything game on the line. Who do you want in this position, in this angle, with the goalkeepers to beat? You want Sergio Aguero because you know what he's going to give. And, and this, Rebecca, just look at the scenes of the reason why we mm. love this game. It doesn't get better than that. I mean, wow. Their first ever Premier League title. They've had three since, of course. But what about your moment, Robbie Musco? Does it get better than that? Maybe this is better than that. Leicester City winning the Premier League title at 5,000 to 1 odds in 2016 for me, it's got to be the moment of the decade, Rebecca. Nobody saw it coming. Certainly, I didn't. And some of these moments give me goosebumps for some of the goals that were scored in that running. And to see the scenes at Leicester City to win the Premier League, it still sounds really strange to say that Leicester City were champion in 2016. An incredible moment. So do you think it's your moment because there's a chance that in your lifetime you don't see another club Absolutely outside the right. top six winning again? Right. And we might see another moment where the last day and the last few minutes you win a title. But to, for, for another the team like Leicester City to win the Premier League title, I don't think we're going to see it in our lifetime. But it did allow us, did it not, mm. to dream. All yeah, Premier League yeah, fans yeah, who weren't yeah. fans of those top teams, actually, you know what? It could it happen. Believe. Every pre-season, every start of the season now, every club on zero points before balls kicked think, oh, we're going to have a Leicester. And that's a brilliant thing. And, and he's right, Robbie, in that we might never see that again in, in Premier League history. Robbie Musto, do you want to talk Chelsea or Arsenal <laughs> oh, first? Arsenal. I want to talk Arsenal um, because there's a lot of good things there, Rebecca. A lot of good things. Much more compact, much more energy, much more intensity. More from Ozil, Aubameyang, everybody working as a team to help out defensively. Grinding all the way through and making my notes like this is much better with Arsenal. And then a big mistake from the goalkeeper, a big mistake from him. And again, I think Lee said it in commentary, right at the end there, just those old habits. Mm. It, it, we didn't see any of that. No risk from counter-attacking, which has been Arsenal's bugbear for, for, for ages. And yet they get done in a situation where Mustafi comes into the game, Rob. Yeah. We looked at each other and said, this could be a problem for Arsenal. And there's a ball in that final goal. He doesn't close the ball down and stop it. He drops off. That allows the front player to turn and they score. But what a game of football. It's going to be so hard for Mikel Oteta in that dressing room to say all those good things because they've lost another game back here. And this is a winning business. But when they go to video and when they look at things, these things to build on, we have to talk about Chelsea as well and Frank Lampard. Made a big call to go three centre-backs, which wasn't wor working. Took Emerson off the wing-back, went to a, a flat-back four, got an extra man in midfield and started to then get into, into the game. Frank Lampard, we, we saw at the end, was orchestrating his team to, to the celebrations and actually quite liked that. And I know we thought he, he maybe went a little bit over top against Spurs. That's team spirit, that's bonding, that's what will help Chelsea get through difficult moments and come out the other side. Let's hear from the goal scorers, the Chelsea goal scorers, Tammy Abraham and Jorginho. Guys, well played. Tammy, what a win for you. How did you pull that one out of the fire? I give credit to the boys, I give credit to Jorginho. You know, um, in the first half, first 30 minutes, you know, they dominated the ball. You know, they were popping us in midfield. Uh, this man comes on and it's a whole different ball game, um, you know. We got into half-time, we said, listen, we believe, you know, like him coming on has lifted us as a team and, you know, second half was a performance. You did make a huge difference once you came on. What were the manager's instructions to you coming on after, just after half an hour? Uh, I think the, the, first, the first 10 minutes we were too soft and just to push more, you know. Mm. We, we needed that and I tried to, to push my mates and I think... 
we we changed the game. You obviously got the equalising goal just before that. Having been booked, and you and I have just watched it together, there was a tug on Guendouzi. Honestly, were you lucky to still be on the pitch? was normal fall, but in the end we play football, you know. Not then the contact is normal in the football. Yes, maybe fall, and that's it. But no more, I think. Tell me how sweet was the winner. I mean, I think it's your first against a, a, what you might call a big six team. Yeah, felt good. Um, you know, I knew it was a matter of time until it came, and um, thankfully it came today at the right time. Well done, both of you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank Plenty of drama today. Robbie Muster, what's your standout storyline today? Well, I think it has to be the Arsenal-Chelsea game and the way that Frank Lampard changed it. In the 33rd minute, I think it was, he made the change. Jorginho came into the game and from that moment on where Arsenal were, were good and were yeah. dominating the things, it changed the game. Extra man in midfield. Of course he scored the goal. Um, should have been sent off, in my opinion. But Frank Lampard maturing and is big enough and brave enough to make those decisions early in the game and to get the late win is big for Frank Lampard. Yeah, their first comeback win of the season for Chelsea. What about your biggest win? Uh, I'm going to go with Mikel Arteta, Rebecca. Big London derby. His first game as manager at Arsenal at home. And for 34 minutes, I think he'd quite enjoyed the team, had some structure. They were responsible with, with the way they played. And they looked as though that they were going to make it difficult for Chelsea. But old habits came back in the last 10 or 15 minutes of game. Goalkeeping error, defensive issues have caused them problems. And he now knows the kind of work he's going to have to do to get 90-minute performances. Mikhail, for all the organisation and the hard work, how frustrating was it to lose that game in the way that you did? Yeah, I think it was very cruel the way we lost it. Um, I think the first half we saw a lot of positives and a lot of things that uh, we are trying to implement uh, at the football club. But, um, yeah, the way we conceded the goal as well, I think it was disappointing. Was it the way that you conceded? Was it the fact that Jorginho potentially was still on the pitch when he could have been sent off? I think it was very clear. I don't have to say much more than that. What about the change that Frank Lampard made? He made a change quite early on. Uh, he switched to a back four. Do you think that the reaction from your Arsenal team was right? I think it was. I think this, in the first half we were the better team. Um, we did all the right things that we were trying to do. Obviously, it's very hard to dominate all periods of the game against uh, this team. But for me, it was more um, we started to defend too deep. I think energy-wise, they are in a different level at the moment. We are trying to change that to encourage them to play much higher up the pitch. And uh, we started to have a lot of difficulties. But at, up to the goal, I can't remember, they had a clear chance for us. Frank, another big win. How much credit do you give your players for pulling that out of the fire somehow? Yeah, credit, because um, for 30 minutes we were awful. Nervous, slow, lethargic, whatever you want to say. Whatever Arsenal wanted us to be, we were. Gave the crowd reason to get up. Um, and that was, from my our point of view, very disappointing. But for the last 10 or 15 of the first half and the second half, the difference was spirit. You know, We had to make a change tactically, but the tactics are not the first thing. The first thing is fight and spirit and desire. And uh, it was night and day, and you saw the result. Like you said, Jorginho, fantastic, changed the game for you. But I'll put this question to him as well. Was he lucky to still be on when he scored? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it looked like a, it was a foul, obviously. Um, could it be a second yellow? Possibly. Their players were certainly trying to get him a second yellow, I know that. But um, sometimes you make your own luck. There have been times this season when little things have gone against us. And um, I thought the way Jorginho played when he came on was trying to nick balls and win second balls and, and prompt gets to goal for us. But, um, sometimes you deserve a bit of luck. Maybe we got it. A little concession there to maybe that little bit of luck, Jorginho staying on the field.
Robbie, it's not often in the Premier League, not often that you see substitutions made in the first half. Frank Lampard is proving, is he not, to be a man who knows exactly what he's doing tactically. Looks like it. Yeah, I think we've seen uh, different situations this season where he's impressed with some decision-making. You're absolutely right. I mean, apart from the attitude of the players that I agree with, um, a lot of that was what Arsenal were doing really well. And Meza Ozil was given Chelsea a problem in midfield as well. So Jorginho was always going to help on the ball, but it also helped Chelsea stop Arsenal's dominance at the end of that first half or the last 15 minutes when he came on. And, and really from that moment, it never looked back Chelsea. They're the better team after that. What do we make of Frank Lampard post-match when he celebrates like he does with his players? Obviously, Chelsea fans mm. would absolutely love it. We yeah. saw it against Spurs. We yeah. saw it again today. It was about as strong, actually, as it was in the Spurs game. Yeah. He obviously, of course, loves it, it, to win. We don't often see this, and it no. a new manager. I mean, he's orchestrating things here at Becker. And do you know, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm, I'm saying... I understand what he's doing here. He talked about all the things that he did tactically and changed the game. The spirit... The team spirit. And I just think he's starting to feel this young group of players need team spirit. And there's nothing like winning games away from home in the manner that they've won to bond you together. I was with a group of players who every win we had, we'd celebrate like that and pull ourselves together and make sure you want that feeling again. And, and, and that becomes infectious. And that bonds your players. And that, and that when things are going against mm. you, drives you on to, to bigger things. And playing devil's advocate, Robbie Musto, if you're a young player and you'll see how much you've pleased your manager, like they did against Spurs, really pleased him, and again today. Mm. Mentally, though, can that almost be exhausting to two days later, as it is right now in the festive period, to get back up for the next game? Yeah, it can be. It really can be. Um, I, I, but that's what they've got to do. Mm. And sometimes they, they didn't don't do, do it. it did they? But that's yeah, what, they didn't that's do it. And now they've got another challenge. Yeah. That's, what, that's what playing in this league, understanding what it takes, getting 100, 200 games under your belt, that's what it means. Enjoying those big moments, you've just won a big London derby, then when you go Brighton away, being ready for a fight and having have to scrap for 1-0, I'll win that game but, as but, well. But the fans have seen that they've disappointed them and all part of that celebration there is to get the fans to love the team. Frank wants that because he knows there's going to be times when they do disappoint them. Mm. But if there's a connection, right. a strong connection, <laughs> of the Chelsea fans there that are cheering and like, wow, this young team, look at them right in front of us. I just think it helps the connection. Okay. So when they do have a disappointment, mm. that the fans stick with this young side. OK, Mikel Arteta tonight. Knight sat at home in North London. What's he thinking? Um, hmm. I think he, he's realising, yes, it is a big job. There are big problems there. Um, but I think he'll take heart. I think in the first 35 minutes, um, it was much better. Now, I know the result. It's hard to sell that, but they were more compact. The players were certainly playing for him, hmm. more aggressive, more uh, pressing really well that stopped Chelsea from playing. That's all the good side of it. But as he said in his interview there, they tired in the second half and there were problems. It ain't going to be solved in, in, in a few training sessions and a couple yeah. of games. So as long as those players realise that, that effort and determination attitude is what they have to show every week, then it will slowly get better. But I thought there's some good signs there. We, we, we've had years of neglect, I've said it before, at this football club, Rebecca. Three or four years of malaise where the standards haven't been high enough. As Robbie said, that's not going to happen in a week or two's training. There were good moments in there. Up to 70, 75 minutes, they were controlled, or at least stopping and, and confusing Chelsea with the way they played. But I think he's learnt some lessons along this, this route, and it's a long route to get back to the top. Some players ain't going to be good enough for you. Skoda and Mustafi came on for Callum Chambers. He's not good enough for this football club. 
I'll tell you now. And there'll be one or two others that you'll find out with games, with performances, with the way they play, that he, he'll take along the journey and drop off as they go along. It looked like they were trying to grind it in the second half. Mm. Burnt Leno's mistake was a, was a body blow. Mm. A body blow because they were doing OK. They weren't playing as well, but they were thwarting mm. uh, Chelsea with good organisation. Aubameyang come back in tackling. And then when the goalkeeper makes that error, yeah. heads Depression. go down and it's difficult. Is Burnt Leno good enough for this team? No. Robbie? Not if you want to get back up there, Rebecca. Well, for now he is. I think there's bigger problems than Burt Leno, but that was a big error today. And, and yeah, I'm not going to disagree, but, but right now, other issues, Mustafi defensively and yeah. other players are more important than getting the new manager. But, of course, if you want to get to the very top, yeah, you need a better goalkeeper. OK, not a great day then for Arsenal. Well, Jürgen, another win, but was that as a really hard test in the second half? Yes, but rightly so. Um, look, we all play, obviously, for, for, for big stakes. We want to... We wanna, be successful. We want to um, try to be as good as possible in, uh, at the end of the season. So, um, and Wolves proved that in the last few couple of years for sure. So they they are used to a tough rhythm. Nunez doesn't make a lot of changes, and they play Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday. So they came here today. Yes, they made made a couple of changes. So we were first half good, controlled the game when we prepared direction and used direction it was really good big chances super goal um, but a second relief long ball positioning for second ball not good Elmola makes a foul free kick corner bub, 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 goal yeah and then we are um, ruled it out that um, that's how it is and I can really imagine that um, um, the Wolves were not happy with that, but um, we were on that side of the decisions against um, Aston Villa, for sure, maybe against Wolves. So that's that's how it is. And, uh, and sec- but the momentum changed in that moment a little bit. It, would, it went on their side. Uh, we felt that. It was big tr- trouble in, in the dog out here when we came in. Uh, we had nothing to do with the decisions, to be honest, but that um, obviously didn't understand everybody. Um, and... Um, yeah, that was the situation. And then the second half they started, changed a little bit, pressed a bit higher, positioning slightly different, and we were not fresh enough in mind to e- react immediately. Mm. So that then we caused also had problems. Gave Joe the ball in the last moment, but we had no real offers um, up front. Always interrupted by some good moments, but then again, Ali wanted to make the game quick. Nobody else wanted to make the game quick, so that's not a handle get the ball. Wow, what shall I do now? These moments, eh? Um, Football is like football. Football game is like life. Uh, sometimes you are 100% ready, and sometimes not. I mean, you have to make sure that everybody knows when you are ready and not. But then we controlled again better. Um, in the end, it was a big fight. That's okay. No problem with that. We won it, and I'm obviously very pleased about that. No, no. First of all, two days on from a, a game against Manchester City, the way your team played today, the effort your team put in, the performance must give you a huge amount of satisfaction. Yeah, we play good, we fight, and we run. Tough, tough, tough game, uh, but the boys work very hard. It's, that's innegotiable. <laughs> it just seemed that it was that final pass, that final shot, the one moment in front of goal was the only thing missing from your team's game today. Yeah, we had we had we had a lot of chances, a lot of situations that really break and 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 be able to to get to get that final touch. Um, today was not today. Uh, let's work and try to be more clinical, uh, but really proud of the boys. 
What were your thoughts on the goal no, that no, Liverpool no, no, scored? No. You don't want to talk about that goal? No, I don't want to talk about anything about VAR. I just, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. okay. But you, you were clearly frustrated about the way that they I scored. I don't want to talk, so if you don't mind. Okay? I just don't want to talk. But it has had a huge impact on the game today yeah, because you have yeah, lost the game because of one no, goal no, 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 which has no, changed no, no. from the VAR. Result, the, result, the, result, uh, the result is there, but I just don't want to talk. Um, uh, it was a good game of football. It's a tough, tough place to come. Um, Liverpool is a fantastic team, fantastic manager, the dynamic that they have, the energy that they put. And we balanced that. We, we were balanced that. Um, um, that's what I, I take away from here and what my boys are. Uh, okay, uh, let's go again on uh, in Watford. That's one only thing I'm thinking about. Can you confirm whether Anthony Taylor spoke to you at half time? No, I got a yellow card. Oh, you had a yellow card. Yeah, I got a yellow card. But did he tell you that the no, the va- they spoke about Van Dijk no, that, that the moment, it was moment, too far back? The yellow card. The yellow card. It's finished. It's finished, sir. Is there anything else you want to say no, after no, a performance no, from your our, side our today? Friends, our friends. Uh, I think they were they were till the end believing, and we were. We had we had moments that we really really could do better against a fantastic team, a fantastic team, and we in second half we didn't have too many chances. I think um, they were always their quality, but we press, we press high, we recover the ball really high on the pitch till the last minute. Uh, this is us, this is us, and we'll keep on going. But I, I don't want to talk about VAR. You don't want to talk no, about VAR, but we have to no because bad, it no it decides the game. Come on, it decides Finish. the game. No? Finish. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that was lovely. A gentle mm. finish, finish, yeah, and a hand that. on the back of the reporter. Three times, I think, yeah. he put the hand on the side Absolutely of the reporter. Class. Many managers, I think, would have mm. found that interview even yeah. harder. So he certainly gets some credit for that. However, yeah. was VAR wrong today? Did he have was, reason it, it, to be? It, it wasn't so wrong, Rebecca. But the byproduct of VAR and the decisions in the time and the way that we're getting to the decisions is having an effect on the whole stadium. Whether you're Liverpool who are getting a bit of a lift because the goal's not conceded, or Wolves' disappointment from scoring, and we see. Neto thinks he scored his first Premier League goal and then it affects everybody in the stadium because there's this kind of pause. Everybody's on hold, doesn't know what's happening. Managers start talking to fourth official. Fans are scratching their head, looking around, seeing what's happening, looking what the stadium's saying. Managers are getting upset with fourth officials. And it just seems to spread, Rob, like this, this uncertainty for two or three minutes in the stadium, it just doesn't feel healthy to me. In an emotional game anyway, it adds an extra bit of drama and even more emotion, Rebecca. So if it goes against you, then, you know, we see in all these scenes on the sidelines, it's not great, you get a reaction from the other fans. I mean, it's, it's quite remarkable. And, and I've got to say, I, I have more of a problem of, with that reaction and the celebration. By the way, Pedro Neto's react- celebration is wonderful. It's a lovely moment, yet we're going to have to go back there. And, you know, even though the technology is not great, it comes to a decision that means that that means nothing, that goal. So it's, it's just hard to take. OK, just want to wrap VAR up very quickly with one final question, Robbie. In a nutshell, <clears throat> if the technology is better and the timing is instant, let's say on offside, yeah. and Neto had not even put the ball in the back of the net because he saw the flag go up, much of the emotion that Robbie mm, Earls yeah. talked about there would not... Much of the over-the-top emotion, we yeah. wouldn't see. Yeah, and, that, and that's what we're all hoping right. that they get to, and that technology comes out where it is instant, where the ball is played forward and the technology picks up somebody in offside position and then the assistant puts his flag up and it's instant, the goal doesn't even happen, and then we can get on with it. That's what we all want to see. We just, we just wait and see what, how long it takes. Robbie Earl, mm. Liverpool. Yes. They've lost... The last game they lost was in January against yeah. Manchester City. We're mm. nearly in January. Yeah, in 12 months. How much yeah. more credit can we give them? I mean, they'll find their ways to win. Mm. It was a bit like 
Liverpool from a couple of months ago where they were winning but not great. The odd goal, I think it was Palace, Brighton and, and, and Aston Villa, some of the games where they weren't quite on top of the game. What they've done, Rebecca, already is not allowed us to start talking about, oh, the pressure's on, oh, they might... We, we can't even start that conversation. They have been so focused, so driven, so perfect in, in, in what they've done. And Jurgen Klopp has to take a lot of credit for that. And there's no sign of it stopping anytime soon. No, and today wasn't their best. They were a little bit differently set up. Um, Sadio Mane, though, which is still... I just think he's an amazing player. The energy that he has. He gets the winning goal again today. That's not his first winning goal. Ten Premier League goals now it is for him. And there's always somebody, Rebecca, there's always somebody at Liverpool that steps up. Could be a midfield player. Firmino recently, and big goals to win tournaments, etc. Lalana came in. So, uh, Sadio Mane is a star player for me this season for Liverpool. The difference maker in times when they haven't been good... He continues to be good. Chris, terrific performance from your team today, but you finished up losing, and I dare say you feel a little bit aggrieved about one or two decisions out there today. So, firstly, City's goal, your, your thought on that, the first killer goal. Yeah, it's a definite game changer. I thought the way the, the players stood to the, the plan and how they implemented it, and we had a threat going the other way. Um, I think you always know when you come to, to, to grounds and up against teams like Manchester City when opportunities come about you have to take them unfortunately we didn't John Egan with an header and obviously a couple of other opportunities yeah again another goal was disallowed by VAR I think that's about eight and nine um, very very similar ones over the weekend surely this is not this is not um, uh, a situation that's um, helping helping the game and the uh, the small margins um, but uh, that, I'll leave that for everybody else to talk about because I've said far too much uh, uh, regarding it um, uh, the, de the decision uh, I've been to see the ref so I've got to say um, he's very honest in his, his, his assessment about it um, and like we make mistakes I believe he did and uh, um, and I'm sure he, 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 he did as well so um, just a game changer really because we were, we were in the game um, and then the game gets opened up because we chase and we chase mm. and we open up, which we have to, um, as, as we try to get back into the game. And, and we did. And then obviously world-class player kills the game off with, uh, with 10 minutes to go. But, you know, proud of my team's performance, um, regardless of where Manchester City are now. The team selection was one of, of, of respect towards us. And I said that to our players. You know, there could have been quite a lot of changes. I know the manager was, was, was obviously speaking about you know the, uh, the, the the game at Wolves and the short turnaround. Um, and Manchester City have not just got a, a 11 fantastic players; they've got possibly 24, 25 fantastic players. But they played near enough there for it. Um, and um, yeah, maybe on another day um, we uh, we pick up a big result, but we haven't. Um, the run ends. Um, which has been a fantastic run, and if it was going to end, it was going to end somewhat like today, mm. um, where my team stood up to the challenge and showed for what a promoted side, uh, our, our, for a promoted side, uh, our world we've done so far this season. And just finally, Chris, just trying to clarify what Chris Cavanagh, the referee, said to you to placate you afterwards. Um, did he just say, I didn't realise I, I, I got I, in the way or, or yeah, yeah, he should have yeah. called it back, VAR? Yeah, or what? I think obviously it happened that quick and they couldn't, they, I thought they could have been helped out by um, his colleagues a little bit. Um, but, um, you know, you talk about the new rule where, where the referee uh, 
touches the ball and, he, and he immediately, immediately blows up. Surely, if he's in this vicinity that affects it affects play and hinders hinders us, I'm not saying he has to be invisible around the pitch, but certainly when it's a situation like that where it's clearly you know come off come off uh, our boy and uh, he's in the way, then it just makes a sensible decision. I think if he'd have made the sensible decision, nobody in the ground would have would have uh, would have noticed or, or, or said anything about it. But uh, unfortunately. That's gone against us, um, and uh, you know we have to have to keep smiling, which I'm certainly am doing really uh, overall because of uh, because of what I've got in that change room. Well, Chris Wilder, maybe before the interview hadn't seen the replay. We obviously know that the referee didn't touch the ball. We've confirmed that with the PGMOL, who looked at it and checked it, and yes, he got in the way. But as the PGMOL confirmed to us, there is no rule against the referee unfortunately getting in the way. He is part of what goes on on a football pitch. But Chris Wilder, pretty positive there, especially at the end, because, you know, they're four wins away from absolute guaranteed safety. They have 29 points and we're not even into the new year. I mean, he must be sleeping well. Yeah, I just think it, it's right of us to, to just give credit to him and his team what he's done this season, Rebecca. They're in eighth spot. They're one point behind Spurs in sixth. And with changes today, there's changes in midfield, there's changes to the two strikers, and yet they can still go away at Man City and feel a little bit hard done by. Continuing to get in behind Man City defensively again, City still have that issue, um, but I just think it's remarkable what he's done at this football club to put him in a situation like that today. At the start of our day today, Neil Ashton linked him to the West Ham job, yeah. apparently Wilder doesn't want to go. Well, no, because he probably feels what he's building this football club, Rebecca. He's been with them, I think, from League One to Championship, now to Premier League. And you see today, Manchester City get the points, but they've enhanced their reputation again, uh, Sheffield United. And there's a spirit and drive about them that's quite refreshing that's come to the Premier League. Time for mid-season awards. We've got some categories. We're going to start with the surprise of the season so far. Robbie L, who are yours? My surprise is Leicester City, Rebecca. Sitting second in the Premier League, the closest challengers to Liverpool. And we knew Brendan Rodgers was, was doing good work. But if you think of this season, every player that's worked under Brendan has become better. So you choose one of been one of the stars of the season, would get in the team of the year if we were going with things now. And just the kind of belief and, and, and the youth and the excitement that's come back to Leicester City. I think everybody thought their days were gone with, with that great win in 2015-16, but they're back sort of around the top four again. Yours? I'm afraid the Arsenal fans won't thank me, but it's Arsenal. Surprisingly bad. I'm, I mean, I, I had Arsenal to be in the top four. You look at the front players they've got, Rebecca, you look at the, the new manager and you know, Emery and what he can bring with more time in the job. I expected them to be much higher. And to see them sitting now in 12th, uh, 12th position mm -hmm. on 24 points so far away from the top six is the biggest shock to me. OK. Staying with you, Robbie Masto, manager of the season. Jurgen Klopp. It's got to be Jurgen Klopp. To be where he is right now with a massive gap, 13-point gap, played fewer games than everybody else at the top there, and playing the football and the balance and the questions that keep coming and the answers that his team keeps delivering with intensity, physicality, skillful ability and getting these players to do it week in, week out. Jurgen Klopp has been incredible up to this point. Rob? Chris Wilder, done absolutely on his shoestring, went from League One to Championship, Championship to Premier League, has come into the Premier League, Rebecca, and introduced to us attacking centre-backs. I mean, something we've never seen in the league. And that's kind of part of my point. Sheffield United have come in the Premier League and bought something, an identity, a team, a, a spirit about them. And um, I just think the work that he's done over half a season to, to keep his team eighth in the Premier League, as we say, halfway point, Chris Wilder's been outstanding. Player of the season so far? I'm sticking with Liverpool and Sadio Mane. Now, 10 Premier League goals, um, where they are on the league table, I think he's been the reliable, steady, constant 
performer. Mo Salah is a brilliant player and he's got a good number of goals. I just feel, even Firmino as well, of course, I just think he's been the guy, Rebecca, at times when they haven't been playing particularly well a little earlier on that he kept scoring the key goals, winning goals. Another one this weekend, so Sadio Mane for me, top man. I've gone for goal scorer, but Jamie Vardy, Rebecca. And Leicester City, I've talked about all the good things, the young players, the, the Tielemans, the, the Madisons, the Perez, the Ndidis. But at the end of the pitch, at the top end of the pitch, you've got to have somebody who can put the ball in the net. Jamie Vardy, I think he's 32 years of age, plays like a 17-year-old. 17 Premier League goals, top scorer already uh, at this stage of the season. Jamie Vardy, spot on. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC Podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN. I'm Rebecca Lowe. Bye for now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.